Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pope Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. This is Justin Curry, known the world over as Chasing Artwork, and I, Gregory Kamichek, um, acting like that little moray fish that sits on the belly of a shark that has done all the work. Um, the work for this episode that you're going to listen to was done by another excellent podcast, Writing the Wrong Way. Um, you can tune in. You should add it to your list. Uh, we don't have too many double episodes with them, but uh, if I get my druthers, we'll steal from them all the time. Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, where we talk about how writing works, how writers work, and how the best writers risk being strange. You got a cool t-shirt, Gregory. The Outsider and others. Is that um, What's that from? H.P. Lovecraft. Okay, I was going to say, it is a Lovecraft book, right? Yeah. Um, I made sure I wore it when I went to Steinbeck. So I've got Gregory Kamichik here. We've got Justin Curry, also known as the world over as Chasing Artwork. Uh, Linda Radchenko of Infinite Studio fame, uh, and myself, uh, Jonathan Ball. And um, what we want to talk about today is sort of recapping year in review, recapping 2022, um, what went well, what didn't go well, and what we're looking forward to or maybe cautious of <laughs> looking ahead, uh, our kind of goals or plans for 2023, insofar as we can talk about things like I know I and Gregory uh, both for sure have things we can't talk about that we're doing together, but um, I'm sure Justin and uh, Lynn have the same. But let's just kind of kick it off with Lyndon, whose idea this was. To yeah, Lyndon should mm-hmm. set for us the rules. Okay, so the idea of this conversation was that, as Jonathan said, we're going to touch on some of the ways that our creative careers have progressed through the year of 2022. We can go around and share some of the, you know, the, the highlights of what happened. And once we've had a chance to do that, then we can start talking about what we're hoping for or what we have planned for 2023. And the idea of this was for the listener to understand how even when on the public, perhaps on the public facing side, things don't seem to be happening, there's often a lot going on in the background and there's a lot of work that's being done. Uh, But also to see that creative careers progress differently. Like, I don't expect the scope of work of each of us to have to be, the the amount of output to be the same in any given year. Um, It's really an ebb and flow when everyone is on sort of their own creative, their own creative timeline. Uh, So does that make sense to the three of you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking for yourself, what... Was so your year in review? What are the big moments from your year, and what are you kind of planning for? Sure. Or one thing I think is I would really like to hear from people. Just thinking of what I would have liked to hear when I was listening to when I kind of hear about creators and what they're up to is I'm always want to know more about like what are they doing now or what were they doing like say in 2022 to set up things in 2023. Well, I think this is like this is the first installment of something that could be good, useful in a year if we come back together to talk about how 2023 went because we haven't seen it's easy to look back and say I knew all of this was going to happen. It's less easy to uh, to do that if you have the the audio record of it. Okay, if I if we're going to call this a 
time capsule episode, then sure. it's important mm-hmm. that you introduce yourself fully and describe what it is that you do creatively before you list it so that there's context for the listener to understand what it is you're trying to do. Okay. So then you push me if you think I'm, I've missed something or skimmed over something. My name is Lyndon Rachenka. I'm a writer for comics and prose, I guess now, and a letterer. Um, I have to date released two published works and I guess three self-published works as of right now. Um, I've been doing this for almost four years, including the black hole of the event that occurred between now and 2018. Uh, In the year 2022, um, I managed to finish the novel that I had been working on for the better part of two years. Um, I had my first comic series signed to a... A comic publisher that in which the comic will appear in previews, which I consider to be a milestone. Um, and for the dear listener, that's the worldwide uh, distributor of comics, the 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 machine that created the idea of the Wednesday Warriors. They're the ones that get comics in comic book stores. As an artist, I always week. really love them too because it's like a huge. It's like the toy catalog, it's but exactly, for artists. Yeah. yeah. And so when any time I went to the the comic book store, I'd always pick one up because they were dirt cheap. They were like four bucks for like three hundred pages of like just comic previews. Yeah. And more forward thinking comic stores would just give you one if you asked. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of those, and it's yeah, it was it, again. I, I always compare it to like the kids the the Christmas catalog, the Sears Christmas catalog. But for yeah. comics, yeah. So Stephen Call and I um, sold our first series to uh, Source Point Press. Our series there was another life which is a six-part sci-fi action-adventure series. Um, but the solicits will not appear in previews until 2023. So that's something to look forward to for next year. Uh, the four of us, among a group of others, all collaborated and launched Dead Work through a Kickstarter, which we then self-published and took around and sold. And fulfilled. And fulfilled. Very well. Let's not forget that important step in Kickstarting, right? Fulfillment. Uh, Stephen Call and I uh, finished and printed Laundryman, the Laundryman number one in black and white. We printed a hundred copies and we took them to shows, and we sold out of those copies all within 2022. Now, speaking of Laundryman, is your Kickstarter going to be live when this comes out? When will this come out? I'm guessing January. Then no, it will be launched in early February of 2023, and you'll be able to follow it at Laundryman.ca. Uh, the three of us, Gregory, Justin, and I, and Stephen, took part in 24-Hour Comics Day, in which yeah. Stephen and I completed a 20-page black-and-white comic, which we then printed out and took to shows to sell. I forgot about that one completely. It's like a, like <laughs> I have a huge state for so much of it. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, well, I might as well, I might as well dovetail right here, uh, uh. And then we'll let you continue. I organized the 24-hour comics event, something that I'd wanted to do forever, and the ache in my heart created by the uh, event, shall we say, meant that I just had to do it. I love how it organically happened, too. It's not like you start, like, it was always in your head, but we were having a meeting about something else, and instead of that thing we were having the meeting about happening, 24-hour comics happened Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better? Yep. So that was something that we did, um, and we finished, Stephen and I finished the thing, and, and it's out in the world now, 
um, for more of the back end stuff, we received some grant funding to work on There Was Another Life this year, issues three and four. We also received some grant funding to produce uh, issues seven, eight, and nine of The Laundryman further down the road. So that is something that we'll be working on in 2023. And finally, just last week, Zach Schuster and I finished Hero Man, which is our 110-page graphic novel that we've been working on all year and uh, started really getting into back in 2021. So that's my like... That's my bullet list of creative things started and, and um, progressed in 2022. Um, you know, on the other, the back end, there was a lot of sending out pitches to publishers and getting rejections and trying to contact agents and getting rejections. And that's all part of that process, but, you know, not necessarily a creative achievement in the same way. Kill those musketeers. They're trying to murder the king. In 2023, do we want to do 2023 now, or do you want to circle around and then let's do circle around? Let's circle right, around. let's just yeah, circle around. Yeah. Let yeah. me pick up the agent thread. So one of my accomplishments this year is getting Gregory an agent. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to this agent. I just had kind of happened to be a guest in this class um, at the same time. The other guest in the class, for, it was like a publishing class, and the other guest in the class was this agent, uh, Emmy Nordstrom Higdon, and I was. So impressed. Affectionately referred to in our house now as Agent Emmy. Agent Emmy. I so, yeah. You know, it's, I, I mean, when I've talked to agents, I don't have an agent. So full disclosure, I don't have an agent. I've never really tried to get an agent. Um, uh, partly be, so the one agent I reached out to and attempted to get was, uh, I was at one point taking the eye collector around as a graphic novel and trying to get an agent interested. And I approached this one agent that I liked who was a, my friend's agent and uh, they wrote back saying you know I don't know what I would do with this bug he goes I just accidentally he had sold made a graphic novel sale and he wrote back saying look I just accidentally made this graphic novel sale <laughs> he goes I don't really know anything about graphic novels so it's, you know it's this looks really awesome but you know I'm not really an agent for you and I said I said, I appreciate that but that was like literally the only agent I ever cared about and was interested in because Anytime I've ever talked to an agent, and no offense to agents, they have just rubbed me the wrong way, and I did not like talking to them. So Emmy was the opposite. It was like absolutely delightful to talk to Emmy, saying things I'd never heard an agent say about the industry, and very in sync with how I felt, but I didn't really have a project. So I was like, maybe this is an agent I can get behind, but I don't really have a project for them. So I, uh, but I knew Gregory did, so I don't want to talk about that. And there's that a parallel here too, is that while you were doing that, unbeknownst to us, Justin had already at that point sent work. Emmy was yeah, one of the, the only agents that I, yeah, yeah had found that I, I really liked. I liked the, the, um, just, yeah, their websites and, and have the other projects they'd feature. And I'm like, Ooh, this would be a good fit. Agents often have a list, uh, of manuscripts and projects they're looking for and so when you look at that wish list is a one way to look for agents so justin had already done some due diligence while on an agent search of his own and emmy was one of the people who justin had found so they had already seen your name and liked your writing because emmy got the entire dragon nanny book she was interested and wanted to see the whole book yeah they so anyway one thing i'll just quickly say about emmy is that I did a whole interview with Emmy about that manuscript wish list. So people can check out the podcast I did with Emmy uh, to just get more about Emmy. 
Um, but just sort of one of my accomplishments was just sort of hooking you guys up with, uh, with an so, agent. And so Jonathan gets in touch with me and says, hey, um, I just was on speaking with an agent who dislikes all the same things you dislike <laughs> about the way publishing works. I think you two should talk. And as a result of that, I sent some manuscripts that I had finished, some manuscripts that I had unplaced, some projects that I have on the go, and that got us moving. And then when Justin started getting his replies from all his agents, we correlated and was like, wait, the same person, mm -hmm. unbeknownst to them being con that we were connected, had basically wanted more from both of us who happened to be in the same studio. And I just think that it... Rather than like say, ooh, what a coincidence, it more accurately underlines how small publishing is and how when the right manuscripts and the right projects fit with a person, it's a very specific person who will champion a specific set of books and manuscripts. Those things that Justin and I have in common are why we're in this room together. And so those things, even though the work seems separated, are also the kinds of things that an agent might find in common with you. Now, you also mentioned this room. So we're in the you know Good Machine Studios, as we've been calling it lately. One of my great accomplishments in 2022 was when I, you know, years ago, I think I first came in, I kind of like checked out a studio. And oh, your evil plan. Coming and, I, and I was like, I should be in this studio, <laughs> you know. And so finally, like in 2022, my evil plan came to fruition and I got a bookshelf and a desk in this studio. Your name on the door? My name on the door. It's, you know, that was a big, a big deal for me. And I've always wanted to have a uh, bullpen, right? I've always wanted to be in a bullpen, right back to the imaginary bullpen written about in Stan's soapbox in old Marvel comics, which we now know was pure chaos fantasy. No, it didn't even exist yeah. as described. Um, it was just a way to them to talk about how the process worked when, in fact, mostly it was freelancers working away. And so the dream of getting a whole bunch of creative people working together in one space, which started with little, like, eight-year-old Gregory, maybe nine-year-old Gregory there, has, like, come to this accidental fruition. Like, I was like, hmm, I always wanted a bullpen. And then I looked around one day, and we're literally all, there was, like, six creatives in here all working, and suddenly, it's like, oh. Yeah, Sam Biko's not here today, but she... She's normally here of late. Yeah, Terrell McCaffrey of uh, Patron of Dreams has been a more regular attendee of the studio space. Uh, full disclosure, that is my wife, but she is a creative powerhouse in her own in her own right. And so uh, she's been making use of the shared space too. So that, and that for me is a win. How many years have we been here? Uh, like I, so I started my studio in 2014. And I think I was over there for two years. So I think it was like 2017, like the summer of 2017. That feels right. When yeah. you moved in. We had, you were kind of quit your job and were officially coming like the end of 2016, yeah. early 2017. But you took like those couple months to kind of like. Yeah. Decompress. Decompress. Put take my some family time. Family time, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Moved in the desk and then like didn't come until after school yeah. started again. Yeah. Wild times. Wild times. So why don't you continue? Yeah. Well, so to me, like that was a, so just sort of on the topic of one year moving into the next. So like that was something that before the pandemic, I want to say 2018, but might've been 2019. But one of those two years I came in here and I was like kind of checking out what was going on. And I 
I mean, I knew Gregory, of course, and he had, I forget how long you'd been in here at that point, but um, I kind of got to meet Justin and I kind of got, you know, the lay of the land in here. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I want to start doing comics. I had that in my head for a while. I had a project finally I thought would work with you, the eye collector. And then I was kind of just looking around. I was like, you know, I'd really like to get out of the house. <laughs> a room of one's own. And like have like a space where it's like, you know. Still not his own. I don't have people coming into my office all the time. Because my office at the house is great, but it has no door. And my kids are really small. And, you know, it's just is one of those things where it's like, I do mostly work there still, but I like to have a place I can leave and come here if I need to sequester myself or even just to you know have like co-workers you know like I never um I've never really had a job per se like I've had like my things here and there I've done a contract here a contract there I worked at a donor shop a little bit but for the most part like I've just been working for myself for most of my career and so there's great sides of that but there's also like the side of it where it's like you don't get to collaborate with people really you know and um, so, I, I, but I really like the idea of like, I'm going to work my way into this studio. And the best way to do that is just like, you know, be like a pleasant person who's helping other people. So wait, let's do get what this they straight. Now do. that your name's on the door, your pleasantries have ended? Yeah, now it's over. <laughs> it's going to get worse. <laughs> but also like in my, I'm also like, it's one of those things where it's like, the path that I see is like it involves collaboration with people more. Well, that's more possible if I'm just around people more. Uh, and it is also just like I have this kind of community building bone where I want to like. One thing I was getting very frustrated with at the university was that they wouldn't let me teach upper level classes. And so one of the reasons I started this podcast uh, was I, I would have all these students in my intro classes and they would leave the class and they couldn't take another class with me because I'm not a real employee of the university. I don't have the ability to teach graduate classes or upper year classes. So if I, the students wanted to like go deeper with me and for me to help them a bit more, like the only way I could do that was doing this kind of community service work, you know, with like putting out a free podcast or writing a blog or whatever. So I feel like the extension, so I was doing that, but like the extension of that to me is doing like collaborative projects, like the creative side of that was kind of missing. It was like, it was always just my project. Um, and I want to do more collaborative projects. So I thought like comics appealed to me for that reason, partly. And just, you know, I just feel like the way to kind of have a career in, the arts industries, the more and more I learn about the industries and the more I'm in them, I think is just to be around people who are doing cool things, like doing cool projects together. But it's hard to do that uh, because if you don't like, if you're not around people consistently, then you're just jumping from like one person to person, you know, and it's just, it's just hard to kind of like, it, it's hard to have like a, development of your artistry I find because you're just jumping from thing to thing I don't know if that makes sense but like I, I feel like you know I just like the idea I like the energy of like the collaborative space here so I just like I need to get closer to that and also I feel like there's just this level at which um, I, I kind of believe that if you don't have like a team around you or you're not part of a team like you can't really do 
bigger things. I'll handle this. Titania. We also protect each other. The, like the iron sharp, sharpens iron is something I think about often when mm. like the studio comes up, right? Like we, I think we all ran into it earlier in our artistic careers, surrounded by people who talked a lot about things they were going to do and didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And when we found people who actually got things done, that was like, ooh, I need to like be around this person. I need to like watch this person more. And Comic-Cons were good for that too. Like, you know, every couple of months you'd see that same person again and they produced all this new stuff. So you know every day that you're not painting, you're not working, that they are in that in their home city. And like that's that's always a big motivator for me. Yeah, I have a certain breed of like, I, I call it like a healthy competitiveness. Mm -hmm. Like I like, I like to know that like Justin's here doing something and like, I, I remember I saw myself people this Justin. I was sitting here once working on something and you were like just come in you got your headphones in you're just kind of like whistling around while you walk around the studio and you like we're setting up things on an easel and you're like taking pictures of them and I remember like I'm sitting there working on you like some project and like as I'm like th there I'm like kind of like seeing like you're online like literally like selling things online <laughs> and I'm like sitting there like I'm like man I fuck I was like telling something one of you I was telling later, I was like, I'm literally sitting in there, like, scrambling, like, killing myself to make 300 bucks. And Justin's like, just, oh, I just made $3,000. <laughs> and I was like, that kind of thing to me is, like, really cool. Like, I, I find that, like, energizing. Like, that idea that somebody's just, like, they're doing something really, like, I would never have thought to do things that way, you know. But I can see, like, oh, they're doing it. And it's, like, has this result. And it's like, well, maybe I'm not going to do that exact thing because I'm not an artist. But... That idea, you know, like there's something I can learn from that, you know, mm -hmm. that I wouldn't, but I, but I'd be otherwise just mired in what I'm doing and not like looking in these other directions. And you feel you gained that in 2022, that space finally, that perspective, yeah. And I feel like I, I kind of have gotten like, um, yeah, like I feel like I'm settled into the corner there a little bit, and I'm not like where I want to be with everything, but I'm, you know, I can see like we got this. Also, just like having this comic up coming out with heavy metal. Like, that was a big, big thing for me. And I forget exactly when we... I think we signed that deal in 2020. 2020. But we've been working on it mostly, right? Like, it's been... The Eye Collector has been my big thing for this year. And the book's got in hands. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, and, and, coming and, yeah. in on 12, 13 issues now. So that's 100 and... And actually getting print copies, which was big for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's 220. 40 pages or something. Something like that. My God, I've done a lot of pages of that <laughs> book. I just, but we've just been doing so steadily. It's like, it's like secretions that have built up. But a lot of also the things that have been happening lately for, for me at least has been, there's these, so it's mostly working the eye collector, but also I did a, my first Kickstarter, you know, for the She-Wolf uh, book project. And then I've been working behind the scenes on some other kind of comics projects. Um, and all that stuff will kind of start to pan out or pay off in 2023 in some way. Um, but also, like, looking at 2023, I, I do want to get back to prose fiction uh, in, a, in a way. Because I haven't put out a prose book since 2020. So to me, that feels like a big gap, even though I've been doing other things. Gregory, I can see your list keeps growing and yeah, growing yeah. do you want to just do you want to just jump in and get it all out there before you before it explodes so what i realized as i was making my list is that um 2022 
2023 and largely the next like three or four years of plan all has the same theme so i've got prose projects comics graphic novels film theater projects tabletop role-playing games and musical events all in the works or have been accomplished in 2022 2023 2024 some short films and other things like that but they all have one thing in common i want to help people use their imagination I think that's the greatest underserved resource of humanity. And if I have a life's work, a raison d'etre, that's it. I want to help people use their imagination. So how I undertake to do that is I create works that are creative and I create works with space within them where the only way to have it completed is by the imagination. A prose book is just words. You have to make the pictures yourself in your head. Comics are space for time. You have to make the action occur between the panels, right? Uh, film is a collaborative effort of many people, but it's still just a set of images, music, uh, set to speed, and then you yourself have to decide what did it mean, right? Theater events, very similar in its constituent parts. And we are planning a musical event, just set all the dates, got the venue set up for November of 2023 which will be an experience more than a event. Um, so I could list at nauseum some of these projects, like for comics. 2022, we, just 2022. We did Dead Work, Minus Institute. I did Arena City. We did Cauldron. Those were all self-published, <laughs> self-initiated, um, self-owned projects that if I didn't get them on the books as they were now, they'd get overshadowed by other works that I'd be more interested to finish as we moved into 2023. The other reason also, though, is 2023 will have some higher profile announcements and promotions through Heavy Metal and through a few other things that are unnamed. So when people say, oh, I've heard about that, I want to see what else they're doing, all of those finished projects that I own completely will be what they can find and what they can purchase if they want to see my work, which then creates that important funnel of the living wage created out of things you own and control. And completely. nothing sells your last book like your next book, that's right? That's right. right. Yeah. It's good so, to have the back catalog. So that's some of that. I finished a uh, prose novel, Backbone of Night, in 2022. I shouldn't say finished, released, right? And all of these things have in common that they're done one year and they come out another exactly, year. Exactly, right? Yeah. So that book was finished the previous year and then released in 2022. I uh, finished the first draft of a new prose novel, which will probably not come out until 2023, maybe 2024. I have a graphic novel that is finished and with my agent, which may get placed in 2023. And then come out in 2025. In 2025. Yeah. I have a project. Um, the only thing I can say about it is who my collaborator is, I've realized, and that's Kristen Siccarelli. Her and I are working on a graphic novel project that her agent has said, yes, we should take this out. You'd better have an agent, Gregory, because we're in the big leagues now. And it turned out I do have an agent. <laughs> so I was able to then, as a result of some things we mentioned with Jonathan, hooking us up with Emmy and Emmy being just such a delight and honestly very um, patient and um, empathetic to the plights of a working artist with lots of moving parts and lots of life to happen. All of this working together means that I was able to then put them on notice to say, I'm going to pass a project to you, 
rather than how it usually works with an agent where the agent passes a project to the creative, right? So collaboration being a key feature here. Um, uh, what else? Two short horror films were finally finished with all their um, visual effects were added and released. Uh, Love Song, which you can find on the Electric Monk uh, Vimeo, and um, Not of This World, which is a short film based on the previously mentioned Minus Institute, are all out. Um, that was a big deal for me. But I think the thing I'm most proud of is again something that is a culmination of many years. Um, the Moon Patrol story game, which is 400 pages, the Fairy Tale Ending story game, which is 400 pages, and the Danger in the Details Midnight City story game, which is also 400 pages, 1,200 pages of prompts where people can use their imagination, which we have available as a free resource to teachers and uh, also available in print, but primarily a way to lift the doldrum of pandemic classrooms and give teachers the tools they need without a price tag attached to give students ways to be in control of their own storytelling. So, you know, that's 2022. I mean, there's plenty of other things, but I don't want to seem like a narcissist. <laughs> so, so you're saying it was a good year? It was a really good year. It was a really tough year, honestly, yeah. but it was a really good year. Um, and what I like the most about 2022 is that as I was setting up my calendar the last couple of days, how many things have finish lines that were started in 2022 into the new calendar year that are not related to our regular show deadlines? Because that's often a thing where those would conflict after the fact, like I'd have something I'd rather do that then it happens to be a show date. The fact that I have enough of my life organized to be able to say now ahead of time, I can't do that show, I'm doing this event. I'm doing this, I already have that show booked. I can't do this event, can we move that date? This past year allowed me, uh, partially because of the agent, partially because of Lyndon in the studio, partially because of the work of many years previous to like create some fallow grooves to plant seeds in. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that's going to happen that I've always wanted to happen and it seems like 2023, 2024 are going to be the years that happen. By now, the Duke of Buckingham's signature is next to mine. The alliance is complete. That would be difficult considering the treaty never left France. A minor problem. Justin, 2022 was the year of starting to come out of the, the, the event and back into shows. Yes. How was your year? Yeah. So one thing, like I was kind of making a bit of a diagram, like as we've all been talking, kind of how I parse up um, my artwork in my mind, right? And there's a couple different kind of categories that I put projects and, and, and things into. And there's stories, like making graphic novels and books and, and stuff like that. There's my prints, my posters, my one-off pieces that I sell as canvases and prints and, and stuff like that. Um, and then there's art for art's sake, which is just making something pretty that doesn't... You don't really know if it's going to sell. It's just, you know, a creative outlet. And then there's clients and client work. And, like, so all these, all these, these four categories, these four, like, main chunks of my career 
um, have like different work to uh, monetary gain. You know, like it's some some take a lot of work and you make no money, and some take no work and you make a lot of money. And so it's it's like a bit of a balancing act. Um, and if only you could know ahead of time which was which. And that's the other thing too. You <laughs> never really know, and it's always fluctuating, right? Yeah. Like things are always changing. Oh my gosh! So some of the big things that I'm really excited about that have been happening in the last year are um, one: my prints are becoming closer to stories than before. Like when I started out as an artist, and and Comic Cons are like you know how how I'm able to keep my lights on at the studio, right? So. I would do posters, and a lot of those posters consisted of one character pose, like a, like a pinup of of whatever you want. And at some point, I think I just kind of evolved as an artist, and those started to become more of scenes. Um, and now they're like um, in the in the last year, a couple of the main pieces. If you go to my website or my social media, there's a Miyazaki Street, which is this big long painting with like. 30 different characters and eight buildings. It's an entire populated downtown busy street full of characters. It took probably in the neighborhood of 150, 170 hours to do that painting. Um, I did a haunted house that is full of all my favorite scary movie monsters from growing up. Um, and then I have an original series called Dozy Diners, which again, these pieces take are like 50 plus hour paintings. Whereas before, when I would be doing prints, if it took longer than 12 hours, that was rare. But now my norm is these big, elaborate, more involved paintings, and it's kind of closing the gap between a poster and a story. I'm trying to fit as much story as I can in a print. And so I really like where that's going. Um, and to kind of tie into that, that's also these pieces that are a little more involved seem to be catching people's attention more. Um, so I've been able to um, put in more work on my online store, which is now at the point where I never, I basically don't have to ever take on a client work if I don't want to. The store is steady enough income with enough traffic and enough sales that I just kind of did the math one day in my head earlier this year, like why am I busting my ass for a $700 paycheck? This is taking like three weeks of my time and in the same span, like I sold way more than that on my online store. So why am I taking time out of my, you know, endeavors to fulfill this person's dream and then not even make as much money? You know, like where's the... Or get where's the credit, the, frankly. And, or get credit, right? Yeah. Or it might not see the light of day. There's actually like the last... Yeah. Of my last like couple projects that, that never saw the light of day. That never went anywhere. That never did a thing. Like it never was released. Yeah. So I never even got to share the work I did. Yeah. So we're talking like big name clients too. Some big name clients. Yeah. 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 Like some big projects. It took a lot of time. Yeah. And like I, you know, I, I charged a, a reasonable amount, but it, still it's more work than, than it's worth because I can just do my own thing and people want that and they want to pay for that. Now. And, so, and that is also because of the work you did last year that led to this year right, and the work right. you did the year before that led to right? yeah asterisks i'm this took a while to get to this point <laughs> i'm not saying never take on client work if you're not yeah, yeah. clients are, are yeah you know, necessary we're, we're, 15 years into your career yeah. if you start turning away clients because you're too busy <laughs> we're having this okay. we're having this conversation with the understanding that we're talking about a snapshot of one yes. year that is built off of many other years yeah. of work 
and so looking at what happened. In those this are like the big changes that, that I've been noticing this year. And then, so I want to get into now, um, I'm, I'm at finally at the point in my professional career that I feel ready to do the 200 plus page epic graphic novel that everybody always wants to make day one, right? Like everybody who wants to make comics wants to do that big epic story. And so I think I'm finally there and that's really exciting. But now it's been this, this balancing act because like chasing artwork at, uh, at Comic-Cons and online, I'm making posters at a pretty steady rate so I'm able to post and share new work regularly. But from May until now-ish, I've been working on this graphic novel Spark Chasers, which means the work is largely hidden from people until the book is getting closer to being released. So I've, um, the last couple months I have been, I'm making pages, I've been writing, I've been doing so much writing and rewriting and rewriting, because again, this is, the story is big. I'm used to simple little, almost like short, short, simple, heart, heartwarming stories, and now I have to tell this epic story with a lot of characters and a lot of interweaving narratives and, and yeah, make it all work. So that's been a lot of work. Um, but I, I was able to get a, a fairly polished draft off and out the door late November, early December. So now I have this like backlog of prints that I want to make because I still love making posters. I love making these like, um, yeah, something epic that you want poster size on your wall. So I have this long list of things ready to go. Um, and I think we were, we were talking about this on like the group chat the other day about like um, losing your muse or getting like um, writer's block or artist block. You can't wait for the muse to show up. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not a thing. And I like, think what we all had in common in yeah, that thread was that's we, bullshit. We don't believe in writer's no. block. That it's uh, nature's way of your brain's way of telling you go do something else for a bit. Stop yeah. hitting your head against the wall, and yeah. it'll work itself out. So don't stress about it. Yeah, so not can, that it doesn't happen, but. Yeah, and you get demotivated, don't get me wrong, but I can never, I can't fathom ever not, like I have so many, I have more ideas than I can ever do in my lifetime, you know? So the idea of like saying I have nothing to work on, nothing to do, like I, I don't think I'll ever say those words because I always have things to do. I don't feel like working on it right now, sure, but never not have things to do. I feel like I've been kind of like in a, in a weird sort of halfway mode, so like, what you're talking about client work, like I thought 2022 to me was the year of like, on one hand, I was really very focused on client work. Uh, but that's my kind of balancing act was, if, you know, on the creative front, doing these collaborative projects. So what I found was like, where if I was really focused on these comics, collaborative projects on the creative front, like there's only a certain percentage of time when I have to do them. <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of it's waiting for stuff to come back to me. So it's like, I'd be like really intensely focused on it. Then I would like kind of go away from it a bit and wait for things to come back to me. I'd pick on like a different creative project. Like I kind of like pick on the eye collector and then I'd pick on Dirk Dirksen. I'd pick on the eye collector some more. I'd pick on She Wolf. I'd pick on the eye collector some more. Like I keep like, doing that. But a lot of that was like, but ultimately, like, I scaled down how much creative work I was doing and ramping my client work up quite a lot in anticipation of, like, 
2023, I want to make a bit more of a fuller pivot towards like, uh, you know, as these sort of things start to come out and I can kind of culminate or tie up some of the endings and loose ends of some of these creative projects, then I feel like I'll be in a position to dive a bit more fully into, let's say, the next prose work. Something that takes just more time for me in, uh, in that sense. We'll never harm another soul ever again. My promise to God. I was burdened with having to go first. So now I've had a lot of time to listen and, and think about expanding my answer. And something that I totally skipped over or didn't think about was how much the back half of this year felt like Stephen and I figured out how shows work. I was going to say, you guys had some... <laughs> Big breakthroughs at conventions. So why don't shows. we? Why don't we then do this? Why don't we call this section honorable mentions? Because okay. I was thinking about a few honorable mentions that when I went through, I was looking at my list. I'm like, oh, I should mention this and this and this. Yeah. They're not pivotal, but they're yeah. important. So this is a good honorable okay. mention. So, so yeah, I felt like Stephen and I really figured out how comic conventions worked, and you know, we traveled to Toronto for the first time for Fan Expo Toronto or Fan Expo Canada, which I understand to be. One of the largest shows up there with New York or San Diego, sort of within the, the top Canadian five. Canadian show. And yeah, it's, it's definitely it's top five, top ten for sure in North America. It's big. So we've, and you know, prior to, that was my first show have, after moving back from living abroad for a year and coming out of the event. And pre-event, we'd only done, we were getting our feet wet. So the return of shows and sort of learning how to be in a show and sell a book was my honorable mention item that I really should have talked about before. I'm not going to take up too much more time. My oh. quick honorable mention is I did my first show, which I thought, you know, I tabled at my first show and went to Comic-Con, which, you know, went, you know, I thought pretty well. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how my conventions are going to look next year. I'm still trying to sort that out. Particularly because traveling is a difficult thing for me at, with my kids at the age they are mm -hmm. right now. But, uh, you know, I'll figure that out. And I feel like I did enough of a... I dipped my toe in the water enough that I kind of feel like I'll have a handle on it when I figure it out. <laughs> my honorable mention was, would be enamel pins. I figured out enamel pins this year. It's something I'd always wanted to do. I finally pulled the trigger on uh, a couple different designs and have a bunch more planned. Um, so that was just, it's a fun new medium uh, thing that, yeah, it was fun. All right, my honorable mention, my first honorable mention goes to an unsung hero of the backlist, Underworld, that I collaborated on with Laverne Kazursky. Uh, gosh, got to be 2016, something I'd have to check the indices. Uh, had a year. I don't understand why, but every time I brought a stack of Underworlds to a show or somewhere, they sold out. So I would bring more to the next one and they would sell out. I'd bring more to the next one and it would sell out. And whatever it is about that book in this moment in time, made all those years ago, was striking with the public. And I think it was a book ahead of its time because it's a book about addressing openly the idea of mental illness, about a uh, breakdown and about dealing with that, about family, about the, the cost of those things. And so I think when people would look at this book that I used to pitch as uh, 
true crime dipped in Greek mythology set in Winnipeg in the 1980s. And I wouldn't lead with the idea that it addresses this issue of mental illness. People would look through it and say, oh, I know what this, I get this. This is something that modern audiences are more uh, attuned to, that narrative. Something we shied away from when the book launched initially, even though reviews were pointed out, and something that the audiences got to, which speaks to the work that you do in the past. Don't forget about it. Bring it around. Show it off. Other honorable mentions go to George McHale, because I got to do a Ninja vs. Kaiju story for his SourcePoint Press book, Cover of Darkness Origins, uh, which was available in comic stores uh, across this great uh, globe. Um, got to spend some time with J.H. Moncrief, uh, who introduced me to a publisher and has got a new novel project off the ground as a result of that. And just recently, Jonathan and I sat down with Chadwick Ginther, and we are putting our Once Land story collection together as a result uh, again, a reissue of material that we did for a very small audience that now we think deserves a larger audience, and so we're getting that all off. These are things that are just like, I would be remiss if I didn't mention how good they made me feel over the course of 2022. Let's uh, maybe start coming around to just tying things up by, like, what's your big, big goal or plan or, you know, insofar as you can or will talk about it? everyone's big focus you know 2023 is a year of what for chasing artwork oh man oh good yes see this make is... justin go first <laughs> thank you um so next year um spark chase is my big project i don't think it'll be ready quite at 2023 but by the end of 2023 the end of it will be in sight hoping for like a uh, April, May 2024 kind of launch release of some kind or other. Um, and then you're just getting a delivery. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Still more? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the, like I'm, I've got my blinders on for the next like couple months a little bit because I have been like, Anxiety is not the right word, but I have all these pent-up paintings that I just want to, like, hone it's like in. like the reverse of writer's block. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have two, like, I'm shaking. The fact that we're sitting here talking and I'm not painting right now is, like, a problem. Um, <laughs> so I have a bunch of paintings I'm really excited to, to come out of the gates of 2023 in. Um, and then I have two smaller Kickstarter projects I'd like to do. I'm going to do a little enamel pin Kickstarter and a print series Kickstarter that's been brewing for a while. And these are not massive projects, but I think they're very important launches to have in order for Spark Chasers to be the best that it can be. Um, so that was kind of the first quarter of 2023 as well. And then I'm already excited about the, the Calgary Comic Convention. It's our first really big one of the year. It's in April, and it's usually what the first half of the first bit of 2023 is always working towards launching the new things at that show because it's one of the biggest shows of the year. So that's kind of the first big event that I'm, I'm pumped for and that all these prints and new pins and stuff are kind of aiming towards. All right, and I'm sure I'll have more once we go around. As you were talking, I added things to my of calendar. Of course, yeah. <laughs> no, just to my calendar. It's like, oh yeah, right, I have to do that in 2023. Yeah. 2023. All right, so um, I'm I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little bit stitious. Um, 
And I have always, I hate to talk about things before I've done them, right? So I almost feel kind of uncomfortable talking about going into 2023. Um, but looking at the year, early in 2023, I have the Kickstarter for The Laundryman, book one coming out. I'm getting some great, amazing mentorship on that project. We should have the books in hand for the Calgary show to launch that in person. Yeah. Um, Steven and I are really trying to ramp up what that project can, or what that series can become. So we have that coming up. Um, my first previews series, There Was Another Life, should be on stands um, in the middle of the year, which is something. And then hopefully Zach Schuster and I's Hero Man can come out in the fall if the timelines work out. Uh, so I would, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to declare that it's the year of anything, but I would love it to become a year where I sort of get to be in the more, the wider comic scene. I would like to continue to grow a profile in 2023. Um, and, you know, continue to work with you fine fellows in this studio here and not have to go and get a real job. So 2023 is hopefully the year of not getting a real job still. <laughs> Keep Lyndon out of the courtroom. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. My follow-up on that is I really want 2023 to be the year of stranger fiction in the sense that I want it to be... I want to have a really kind of... About kind of what I've been doing behind the scenes, but I don't think so much publicly in a sensible way is structuring what I'm doing around feeding it all through this kind of company um, and really trying to get, I really want to get some recognition about what I'm doing as a company. And even if it's, and, and the name is Stranger Fiction out in the world in a sensible, focused manner, <laughs> I want people to be able to go to strangerfiction.ca and understand what they're seeing how they can sign up and follow it and you know it just be clear what it is I'm doing and how it all makes sense I feel like so much of what I do is like a thing here a thing there a thing here a thing there and there's not really a one place where it all makes sense and I really want to just kind of focus on you know making kind of synthesizing everything I'm doing into one bucket it's kind of neat with branding like and and I wanted to yeah well, not not docs of the project, but talk about Gregory's logo as well. It's neat having that that icon that really like when you first come up with it, it's like oh cool I have a logo, but like that means nothing, and then you just keep adding it to things and adding it to things, and the subliminal messaging of it like really just starts to like seep into everything before you know it. You're real. You're a real person. It's now. it's a real brand. Like it has a it has an identity and it is really neat to see that happen over time. So. And and what matters to me just on a personal level is I feel like I've been thinking a lot about legacy because my daughter, my older daughter Jessie is just just like the other day she finished all her university work. So she's like officially she'll graduate in June but Unofficially, she's done now. Uh, in December, she's like done her BA, and so you know she's old. <laughs> she's like twenty three next year, right? And so I was um, really think I've been thinking the last couple of years a lot about this idea of like legacy and like how do I set things up in such a way that like when I'm dead or retired or just moving on to do other things, how do I like 
keep the stuff I've been doing alive and like be able to pass it on in a meaningful fashion, whether that's my IP or the royalties going to like my kids or whatever it is. I just like, I need like a setup. I need to not be in the middle of everything. You know, like I need a, some sort of structure. That, that's the whole reason I started this company in some ways. Is like I wanted a kind of cover to do things underneath. But also, like, I need a structure in place where it's like, you know, I don't have to be involved all the time. Even if I'm the, the creative force leading things, I can, like, step back a little bit and have a vacation. Or, like, just, like, you know, like, like the, as you say, Justin, almost like the brand will kind of continue on. Like, without it getting too corporate or whatever, but, like, having that, like, identity that is not, it's attached to me, but it's not 100% attached to me. And I can kind of again have more of a collaborative life uh where i'm like you know doing things with the other people more than i have in the past and it's not like a one-man show like it has been up until the last little while so i i, I feel like it's a way that i can deepen these collaborations and be more creative and learn more um but also it's just frankly like just a, a, a bucket where i can if i just put everything in that bucket it's like well when it's perfected I don't have to be standing carrying the bucket all the time, you know, like Jesse can carry it for a while or like it could just like be sitting there collecting, you know, water for people or whatever, you know, like I just need to get like my ego out of it a little bit more than it has been, I think, in the past where I was really focused on having to do everything myself. All for one. one for all. Well, I'll say as a, uh, a student and study of semiotics, that logo is the Greek is derives from the Greek word logos, which means word, thought, principle, right? Which is the idea that you have a symbol and then you use it to represent an idea and the more people see it, the more they understand what that idea is completely represented by. Justin was uh, instrumental this year in looking at a bunch of things that I had together and I said, okay, Justin, I officially, we're incorporating, I need a logo. And he was like, oh, it's this. like. Just offhanded, like the napkin drawing. It he just, just knew exactly what it should we be. We were at a slow show in January. Yeah. It was a craft sale, which we don't really belong at. But we, yeah. we do fine. We just don't belong there. Yeah. So we usually get other things done. Yeah. Yeah. And he just sketches? said, well, it's so obvious. It should be this. It should be this little tripod. And that is like you're always talking about tripods, your little tripods. You have three different areas that you're always drawing from. And all these. Yeah. It was a perfect. You came up. Yeah. The, Tripod all on you. I think I added the crown, though. I want to take responsibility for the little crown. Yes, but I'll take responsibility for turning that crown into a maple leaf. Oh. Right? It's actually the top of a maple leaf, not just Not a, a crown. crown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so my 2023... Still this danger. Logos. And details. My word, my thought, my principle is that I plan to under-promise and over-deliver on all the projects I have on the go. That is my, like, promise to myself. If the, you know, if you believe in resolutions, that's my resolution is I'm going to under-promise and I'm going to over-deliver. So I'm going to hold back the things I think a project might be all about and just give the bones to people so that when they pick it up, they go, oh, wow, and it's all this other stuff too. Um, You're that anime protagonist who everybody underestimates and then, like, oh... Look what he did. Yeah, just wait for it. Does that mean you're going to under-promise your aspirations for 2023? Can uh, you, you be frank with the three of us in this conversation and say what you want to happen in 20... What 2023 is the year of? 
2023 is the year of handing in three complete graphic novel projects to the rarefied air of agents pitching to um, the kinds of companies you can't pitch to without an agent. Uh, that's definitely on the want to do. Um, complete a short film project um, by setting up a number of thresholds that allow me to vet different pieces of the things that I don't know how to do yet. I need to find the right people, I need to find the right parts, and I need to practice. A bunch of that stuff is already underway and it feels really good, but it's a long way to go before we yell action. Um, and then try to be a more present father and husband despite how busy my schedule is, which is partially where you come in, Lyndon, <laughs> offloading some of the hours that I would have to spend here so that I can spend them there. Taking Tara out to movies. So. Yeah. Yes. Lyndon can take Tara out to movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tara. You're going to have to take Tara out to movies. You're going to have to teach my boys how yeah. to do their long division. Yeah. They still do long division? <laughs> yeah, well, they do under my tutelage. Right. Yes. Um, and, you know, if we're, as long as we're on that topic, one of the things I have on literally we had a family meeting about was how do we make up for the shortfalls of the broken education system post-pandemic as a family? That is going to take a big amount of time. Something, I've been, <laughs> something I've been saying a lot to my kids lately is like, like I was telling them, uh, Claire put her gloves on the other day earlier. I'm like, Claire, put your gloves on. And she's like, she's like, I don't want to put my gloves on. I'm like, I know you don't want to. That's why I'm telling you to do it. <laughs> if you wanted to, then I wouldn't have to tell you to do it. But like part of it's kind of I've noticed like the, the resistance is in the schoolwork a lot. Like she doesn't want to do this or the kids don't want to do X, Y, or Z. And it's like, but you need to do it. So, so I, I'm trying to find like a nicer way of doing it. <laughs> so this is the term from uh, ethnography, Make, but I, I think it applies. To want to it's a it. term I just used, a new $5 word that I learned, right? Called schismogenesis. And it is, the, it, is the, it is what causes resistance. So it's like when sure. Justin says, I love cheese pizza. And someone says, uh, I hate products with dairy in it. Right, they immediately respond with the so just screw opposite. meat pizza. Is that what you're saying? This is what I'm saying. That event of is called schismogenesis. The I way really in think which that Hawaiian pizza is underrepresented in this country. Right. So See, <laughs> so for those of you wondering yeah. what the definition is, there it was. But along those lines, like I've been trying to think of, like, well, you know, I, I caught myself saying that the other day, and I was thinking, like, you know, really the solution here is like get them to want to do it so mm -hmm. I don't have to bring it up, <laughs> you know? Okay, so gentlemen, it is current, look, we are approaching the end of December 2022. If things yeah, go... It's my birthday tomorrow. Well, if yeah, things, if things go reasonably okay, we can get back together in one year and see if any of the stuff we just talked about actually happened. Well, it's going to be amazing when we're like, remember Lyndon? Whatever happened to Lyndon? <laughs> Whatever happened to Lyndon? <laughs> huh? Oh, it's too bad Gregory, that thing that happened to Gregory. He, he really would have, been, have appreciated it. He shouldn't have been playing with those matches. Why was he playing with those matches? It's too bad Gregory didn't make it to that birthday. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It might be fun. Like, could we just still, like, Lyndon, you have 30 seconds to talk to your future self. Oh, you know? Yeah. And then we can have a podcast. Black box. Yeah, so then we can Tell yourself you love yourself. Like, okay, Justin, this it's is late 2023. You better be almost done Spark Chasers. Um, 
what else was I going to do in 2023? <laughs> you better have like at least 12 enamel pin designs, um, like 20 new cool prints, and have somebody else fulfilling your store orders because that's taking up too much time. There we go. All right, Gregory, uh, this is me speaking from your past. I want. You sound so young. Man. I want you. you yes, I'm so young and youthful now. <laughs> I wish you were still here. Speaking to my haggard future self, if any of your collaborators from this past year are reluctant to work with you again, you done fucked up. It's <laughs> a good thing to put it. Yeah. Just think, uh, Jonathan. What you, if you ha- are not? If you have not turned in to your new agent your novel draft, then you are in serious trouble. <laughs> How will you punish yourself? That's the question. Oh, anything <laughs> can happen in the world. Anything can happen in the world. Look yeah. behind yourself right now. Yeah. Right now. Uh, twenty late twenty twenty three, Lyndon. I'll keep this short. You've been married for about six weeks now. <laughs> it's time to get back to work. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. And that is a great note to end on. And in 2023, keep writing the wrong way. I hope you enjoyed this episode that we stole from Writing the Wrong Way. This is Gregory Kamichuk encouraging you to join the fight and make comics.